Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the Lord in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful, and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear. <coughs> so, so you, you can, can cover, cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you, you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be, be earnest and repent. repent. Here, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat down with the Father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I want to ask you to stay standing for a moment as we pray. Lord God, we are but one small brushstroke in the grand tapestry that is your local church. Not our local church, global church, Lord. Let us be humble by that. Lord, may our hearts go out to our brothers and sisters around this world as we all look forward to praising you for the glory of your coming, God. Just at the end of next month, we get you as a world praise you for the fact that you came to this world that we might be with you for all eternity. Let us be humbled in these sometimes small but never any less beautiful part that we get to play and help the world get to that beautiful truth. Pray we please bless these words today. Amen. You never see Rivers Church, how are we doing this morning? Good. I'm glad you're doing well myself. Sarah, my wife, I was leaving this morning, said I look good in these pants. That's always a nice way to start the day. So, you know, I can feel good about that. 
I have a few personal notes for me, uh, ranging from silly to I, I hope a bit, a bit profound. Uh, first thing on the silly end, we're entering a season now in which a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about when we should or shouldn't do certain things. Now our God is a God of order, Rivers Church, and holidays happen in a certain order. So if your Christmas decorations went up prior to last Thursday, I just, I want to humbly, as your brother, I want to say to you, I want to say that all these various Disney properties around, just hold on, okay? Let Thanksgiving have its couple days. You know, I know there are good Thanksgiving songs. Let's just work with it. The, the one, one exception, exception uh, the me and my best friend Alan in Washington would endorse if, if you want to play, play Christmas, Christmas music. Uh, prior to uh, Thanksgiving, we would personally endorse Sufjan Stevens' Christmas, Christmas albums. If, if you, you don't, don't know them, such gifts as Get Behind Me Santa, Santa. Um, and, and, and some, some other really great, great ones that are in there. So, so if you, you need something, I would, I would offer you that. that. Uh, Tiptoeing toward the, the maybe more profound bit. I didn't know that this kind of personal note I want to give would connect. Uh, to uh, beautiful, beautiful work, work that we're getting support around, around the world. world. I, I want to ask, uh, as, as a teacher, specifically as a public, public school teacher, would we please, please be nice, nice to our public school, school teachers? Uh, it, man, man it, it, for several reasons, reasons it's the, the things, things I'm reading, reading the, things the things I'm called in books. Uh, and they, they don't, don't know, know they're calling me that, that uh, but, but the, the things, things I'm called in some of these books that I read, and the things that some people think that public school teachers are doing in our communities, it makes me sad. Uh, I have friends, friends who I work, work with who don't, who don't want, want anything to do with Jesus because of the things they hear Christians saying about them uh, and the attitudes that some people have towards just what they believe is going on in the school. And what I would say is if you find yourself in a public school setting, even if you might disagree with what's being taught there, Rivers, can, can we not still love the people who are in that space? We can disagree with that idea and still love those people. So, so I want to ask this that we do that well. Uh, and, uh, and the next note, note I want to give, give deeply, deeply personal to me, uh, is I, I, I honestly say to Rivers Church, Church, I didn't expect it to be on this mic again necessarily. Some of you may know that a little, little while ago, Pastor Tyrone, Tyrone Pastor Jane, they gave me the opportunity to step in, take the leadership role in some discipleship movements here in our church. church. And if, and if I, I have a vice, it's overcommitment. Uh, I just like trying to do way too much, and then, and then I, I hit a point, point where I realize I've done way too much, and, and I start, start failing at all of those things. Uh, and I reached that point, and I was driving home one day, and I was just in over my head. Uh, I was in a season where I think I was seeing William, my son, for about an hour a day, uh, based on how busy we were, how much I was working on different projects. So I shot a text past Tyrone saying, hey, I'm happy, I'm happy to, to talk, talk about this, but I feel like, like I'm going to need to take, take a step, step back from what, from what I've been, been doing with Rivers. I just don't feel like I'm being faithful with that. that. He actually yes, said, I, I was just about to text you about, about this. Uh, to, to give you that, that opportunity. I, and, and then for you to still extend the invitation for me to be able, able to share the word here, here is the grace of God personified to me. So thank you both for that. I sincerely appreciate it. One last to be able to round out what some of us are calling season one of our, our message series on Revelation, uh, where we're, we're looking, looking at these letters. They were, they were penned by John, but they were really the words of Jesus to the various churches of the ancient world. 
And my, and my favorite, favorite thing, thing about, about how we've approached these attacks is that, that we've kept, kept the focus right where it should be, on Jesus. Because we, we have, have a problem, especially, unfortunately, in the American church, where we, we want to make scripture all about us. Our, our country, our family, our individual lives, and the thing is, scripture is about Jesus. All of the scripture hinges on Jesus. The entire Old Testament points toward him. The gospel shares his life and ministry. Most of the rest of the New Testament shows the church trying to carry out his final command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. And Revelation, in turn, shows us more of the words of Jesus and provides a vision of what it will be like when our Lord returns to rightly rule over his creation. So Scripture is about who, Rivers Church? Jesus. Let me hear that one more time. Scripture is about who, Rivers Church? Jesus. It's about Jesus. But we, we try to make it all about us. And the, and the saddest, saddest part about, about this is, is we miss one of the greatest things about Christianity. It's, it's global. Our faith is, is global. As Tyrone pointed out for us last week, it is far too common for us to come up with narratives or patterns that explain, note the scare quotes, patterns in revelation that only make sense from an American Perspective. They only line up with our history. And this, at best, ignores, and at worst, frankly, insults the experience and the history of the global church and all of its beautiful representations. And the thing is, we're not even the majority of that global church. I did some quick napkin math, but on a calculator, because I'm good at other things. And, and there are somewhere around 2 billion people on Earth who follow, follow Jesus. Jesus. Now, some like, two, two billion, billion Christians, that's, that's really cool. We're going on seven, seven billion, going on eight billion, billion people in the world. Two billion of those are following Jesus. We've got, got plenty of work, work to do. So, so we've got, got about two billion people around, around the world who follow Jesus. Jesus. Now, now, if every single man, woman, woman and child in the United States, States follow Jesus, Jesus which, which they, don't, they don't, but if but they did, our country would only make up about 17% of that, that global Christian population. I just, I just wanted, wanted to put, put that in perspective for, for us. Because, because scripture is about Jesus. We, we would never, never want to make, make it about just us, just, just our nation, just our families, just, just ourselves, even, even if we were the majority of that, that global church. church. And the, the fact, fact that we're not means that, that I love that we're putting our focus right where it should be in this series on the words of our Lord. And if, and if we, we turn, turn to that text now, we see that, that focus right from the start of the text. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And this passage talks about who, Rivers Church? Jesus. It talks about Jesus. And I love what this says about our Lord because first it affirms his lordship. We can, we can never, never have too many, many reminders of our Lord's lordship. He is, as the passage says, ruler of God's creation. And when, when he comes to fulfill that worship, it will be glorious. Whatever you imagine it will be like, it's better. 
I think the, the only, only way we can get, get close is as we look, look forward, forward to uh, after this beautiful, beautiful series, series that we're doing, Christmas and movies, movies, after that, that we'll return, return for kind of season two of our series on Revelation. And the vision that I pray the Holy Spirit gives our community of what it will be like to worship for all eternity with Jesus, that's the closest our worldly imaginations are ever going to be able to come to understanding how beautiful it's going to be when the Lord returns in his power. Second, gives us a good chance to unpack the meaning of amen, which is this word that we say all the time, constantly use it, but how good a chance for us to unpack it a little. And the term has a couple meanings. It can be used adverbally if you're feeling fancy. To mean it is so, or so it be. I think, I think more helpfully here, we get its meaning from an, from an almost identical Hebrew word, meaning certainty or, or truth. And what, and what a refreshing and important reminder for us in our, our world, where we can, can pick and choose the facts to construct a truth of our liking. Jesus comes and says, actually, I am true. I I am certain I am the one constant in all of the swirling chaos of our world. And we need to build our lives around him. I love that we have that anchor. Whatever chaos the world may throw us, I pray we will be forever grateful for that. Now, though, as we read further, the tone of my message needs to change, to mash the tone of this passage. I almost wish that the end of season one could end on a little bit more of an uplifting note for our message here on Revelation, but that's not what the Lord spoke. And I need to be faithful to that text. Because our Lord is glorious. He is infinitely gracious. God is the literal definition of love. He also calls us to live holy lives wholly devoted to him. And we're about to see that Jesus has some stern words of correction for the church of Laodicea. Some that ring far too true for those of us who worship amidst the stars and stripes. Holy Spirit, I want to ask that you help us to honor your word here. Give us good physical and spiritual ears to hear what you say, both to the Laodiceans and if you would say anything to us today, to us. Our Lord says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now first, I want to emphasize as a historian myself, uh, some interesting bits of history that play into this language that we see here. And our Lord is actually extremely clever in his choice of imagery. Jesus was very clever. I don't know if you know that or not. Laodicea received its water supply. The town received its water supply from a hot spring. Trouble was, that hot spring was about five miles away from the town. So water flowed from this stream in pipes like this for about five miles. And, and after, after that, that journey, which, which was, was too short to, to cool the water, but, but too, too long for it, it to remain hot, the water arrived at Laodicea, not hot, not cold, but what, what, church? 
lukewarm precisely. See the brilliance of our Lord here in this choice imagery. Now, now Rivers, Rivers, does, does our Lord, Lord seem particularly, particularly fond of, of these lukewarm Laodicean believers? No, he's pretty frustrated, frustrated with them. Maybe even a touch, touch beyond frustrated. Now, here's, here's the thing. Scripture doesn't, doesn't use exclamation points very often. often. Actually, there, there is no explanation, explanation point as part of the ancient Greek alphabet. It, it wasn't, wasn't a piece of punctuation that they had. We didn't get that piece of punctuation until about 800 years after John recorded this revelation. Here's why that matters. If you find an exclamation point in your version of Scripture, it means that the intensity of the original language is so obvious, so in your face, that our modern interpreters felt they had to add punctuation that was not original to the text in order to get that point across. They, they would not do that if the language, if the original language wasn't that intense by itself. They had to add that punctuation so it would click for us. So what's so important to warrant that addition? As our Lord says, I wish you were either one or the other. I, I wish you were either, either cold or hot. Because, because cold water, it's, it's refreshing. refreshing. It's life-giving. Even, Even William, William, my four-year-old, understands this. He only asks for cold water or ice water. He's very specific about this. We'll come home from playing Daddy, I would like a glass of cold ice water, please. Because he knows it's the good stuff. That's what's refreshing. That's, That's what, what he craves. And similarly, we, we prize hot water for a variety of purposes. Today, it makes coffee, hot coffee, in the only way that it should be made. I'd call, I'd call that, that a hot take, take but that'd be too, too much of a dad, dad joke. John, John Mark, I was just, I don't know why I felt like I was resonating with you in that moment, but... So, so it, it makes, makes coffee today, today but historically, historically, hot water was directly connected with physical healing. It was, it was believed that it interacted with the hot springs, that those had almost magical or mythical or spiritual healing powers. So, so hot, hot water was a very desirable thing in the ancient world. Jesus longs for the Laodiceans to be one of these two things, either hot or cold, but they're neither. So he spits them out. I got, I got a great commentary on scripture and chapter on Revelation. It was written by F.F. F. Bruce, he's one of the foremost biblical scholars in the 1900s. And I love how he summarized this section. The Laodicean church is marked neither by steadfast loyalty nor by active disloyalty but by a comfortable self-satisfaction, which made it incapable of bearing true witness to Christ. And it breaks my heart that I just read what I consider maybe the most accurate summary of today's American church. Now, I mentioned earlier the danger of making Scripture about us. We don't, we don't have, have to try to make, make this about us. It just, it just is. And I, I hope, hope this is what the Spirit might say. say. Because, because we are comfortable in the worst way. way. Too, Too often, often we sit around and we thank God, 
incredible ways he's blessed our country, but he so rarely proclaims his name to those he's called us to reach. And worse, we far too often hoard God's blessings for ourselves. We do this financially. Breaks my heart. There's a statistic somewhere between 1% and 2% of all giving earmarked for missions actually goes to the unreached. That means somewhere between 98 99% of missions giving is going to communities that are already sufficiently reached by the gospel. That is so backward. We do this socially. We hoard these blessings. We know how God has blessed us, but we hoard the blessing of Jesus' saving grace and the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. We duck, duck non-Christians at work. work. It breaks, breaks my heart when, when I hear followers of Jesus describe a workplace as good only because it's full of a bunch of other Christians. That makes, that makes me really, really sad. We flee from non-Christians at our public schools. We denounce them on social media in language and tones that make our Lord weep. We think, we think of, of our workplace, a school, a friend group, a social media feed as good when it, when it affirms what we already believe instead of accepting the command of our Lord to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught us. What makes me the most sad is because of this, our national church is increasingly useless to the kingdom of God. And... and if, if the words, words I'm saying right now aren't, aren't true about, about you personally, I'm okay with that because we're all here. We can, we can all play a part in either leading the churches of our nation into, if I can say, full usefulness for the kingdom of God or choosing this comfort that we see echo the church of Laodicea. So we can all get something out of this. Because, because God, God wants us to lead people to him, but, but we're too comfortable to do that. We would rather just say that we live in a Christian nation. We want the United States to already be Christian. Because then the Great Commission is already finished. The work's done. We don't have anything to do. But we, we don't, don't live, live in a Christian nation. We can, we can have, have a conversation about how this nation started, but it's certainly not a Christian nation today. Look at our media, social or otherwise. Look at our greed, our consumerism, look at our race relations, look at our politics. We do not live in a Christian nation. And my heart breaks because we don't live in a Christian nation because we haven't done the work. Now, now, let, let me, me be clear. clear. It, it is Jesus' blood, blood that cleanses us from sin. sin. It, it is, is the Holy Spirit, Spirit that inspires true belief. belief. But it, it is our job to, to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything the Lord has commanded us. Jesus gave us that job. For how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe 
in the, in the one, one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can they preach unless they are sent? And if, and if you've, you've never, never been formally sent, sent out, out to go and reach your community with the gospel, consider yourself sent right now by the Great Commission of our Lord. Let me check that box for you. You are sent to go and proclaim the gospel to our communities. But sadly, too often, we are marked neither by steadfast loyalty nor by active disloyalty but by, by a comfortable self-satisfaction, which, which makes, makes us incapable of bearing true witness to Christ. In short, we, as, as a nation of churches, are lukewarm. And lukewarm churches are ultimately useless to the kingdom of God. I wish, I wish I could be done. I wish, I wish that, that was the hard, hard part. part. Now, now I get to pivot. But our Lord says, says more than we need to hear. Our Lord says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, Laodicea was a particularly wealthy city in its day. Another parallel that we don't have to force between this city and our nation, and similarly, our spiritual self-satisfaction and comparative, especially when you compare us to the rest of the world, material wealth, they have blinded us to our actual condition. One in which the rest of God's global church has become much more useful at times to his kingdom than we are today. The rest, the rest of the world is doing a lot more for the gospel with a lot less. Much of the rest of the world is living out the example of Philadelphia. The church in Philadelphia that we saw last week, small communities without worldly power, but faithful to the name of Jesus in the face of hardship and true persecution. That, that is, is what, what marks, marks so much the rest of the global church. And I pray that we would learn from their example. And I thank God that he presents us with that opportunity to learn from that example in the rest of this text. I thank God that I do get to pivot a bit here. May our Lord be gracious to us as he was the Laodicean. of the saints. Our Lord says, I counsel you to buy from me Gold refined in fire, so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. God extends here a beautiful and extremely insightful offer. Gold, fine clothing, and healing salves were the three commodities for which Laodicea was best known. That, that was what this city chiefly exported. Our Lord's, Our Lord's brilliant, brilliant here. He's using how they get water. He's using the products that they produce as images to help them understand this truth. Now, now it might strike us as strange that God would call Laodicea to buy these things from him. That might sound like strange language, but I actually think it's a brilliant step by our Lord. Our God chose his words very carefully here, as he is known to do. He knows these people find comfort in their, their wealth. wealth. And, and 
frittered away on ultimately useless things of this world. And God presents Laodicea with an opportunity to turn from their useless spending, stop relying on the things of this world, and instead rely on their God to buy from him what they truly need rather than from the world, that they might see their true existence and not the pleasant mirage by which they are so falsely comforted. Would we, too, take the Lord up on this offer? He's going to extend another offer to us in a moment here. Our Lord says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, again, an exclamation point. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. And when I read this, I am in awe of our Lord's graciousness. His patience. I don't, I don't know, know how you can watch, watch a people who so, so clearly, who are so, so clearly blessed, so completely waste that blessing, and yet, yet still present the opportunity for repentance. I actually really like, not how my physical uh, interpretation of Scripture puts it, but how some others do, I am about to spit you out of my mouth, the Lord says. He's giving this as a warning of what's, what's about, about to happen. That is the graciousness of our God. He stands at the door, and he knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks. Because he wants us to partner with him in the true work of his kingdom. That's why he's standing out. I don't know if you know, you know that or not. Jesus isn't just standing outside your door to give you a hug and tell you how much he loves you. He is standing outside the door to do that. Right after he gives you that hug and tells you how much he loves you, he's going to grab you by the hand and he's going to take you on the most wild adventure you've ever known in your entire life. Because that's what it's like when you start to help people to know Jesus. That's what he's not knocking. I actually want to sit in this moment for a bit. To sit in awe of the grace of our God. I know I need to do this. I actually, the, the part of this message that I'm speaking right now, I wrote most of this on Tuesday. I came back to this yesterday. Because I remembered something that was spoken here at Rivers. When we spend more time focusing on the things that we hate than the things that we love, something's gone wrong. And I found myself angry at all these ways in which our church, the American church, so often wastes these blessings that we've been handed. And that's all still true, but I realized I was focusing so much on that that I'd forgotten to sit, to let that be true, and also sit in the graciousness and the patience and the love of our Lord. We have to do both of those things. This feels, this feels like, like an excellent, excellent moment to remind ourselves to be in love with the graciousness of God. Because, because frankly, I am befuddled by the, by the fact, fact that God chooses to continue to put up with humanity. 
It's, it's just, just confusing, confusing sometimes. Almost since the moment he brought us into his creation, we have mostly messed things up. That's, That's our track record as a species. A lot, a lot of the time, time we have not done great, but still, because our God is love, because he gave his son so that we might be with him, he keeps coming back and he keeps knocking again and again and again. And it makes me think about how he's knocking. It's easy, it's easy to imagine, imagine God hammering on the door, angry with our, with our lukewarm laziness, demanding that we get in the game. And I love that that's not true. I think that God's knocking is infinitely more subtle, but also infinitely persistent. He just keeps knocking. Quietly. Persistently. And he knows that most of the time, we can't even hear it knocking. Because we filled our eyes with so much noise. But he just keeps knocking. He knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks. He keeps presenting us with the opportunity to do the single most beautiful thing we can ever do in this life. Which is just opening that door. Choosing to help, help him spread the good word and kingdom to God. It's the, the most, most beautiful, beautiful thing we can ever do. Our, Our Lord is knocking still, even now. In his, his graciousness, he has chosen to not be done with us. Our God is speaking to us as he spoke to the Laodiceans. He wants us to open the door so that we might fellowship with him. That we might work with him. The question is, will we? How do we? How do we open that door that we might join with our Lord in bringing people to a saving faith in Jesus? Really, it stems back to what Pastor Tyrone has called us to do for the last two weeks. I just want to add one thing. Three things we can do to open this door. First, we need to actually hear the fact that our Lord is speaking. He is knocking persistently. We need to listen. To do that, we gotta meet him in prayer. We must meet him in prayer. We need to stop and think about how we're living, and we need to do it with our God, so that he might correct us where we strayed. And it means we put the phone down, we put the book down, after we've read the word, we set it to the side, and we take 15 minutes of our lives, and we just sit in silence with our Lord, and we ask him what he wants us to say. We, we echo the words of Scripture and we pray with as much heart as we can muster and as much faith as the Holy Spirit would inspire. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And we listen to what our Lord has to say. Next, now that we're really listening in prayer, we need to obey what the Spirit speaks. He is our God. He is our Lord. He tells us to do something. We need to do it. And he, and he has told us to do something. Namely, as Pastor Tyrone has encouraged us to share our faith in Jesus. The Laodicean and the American church was and is too obsessed with our comfort and self-satisfaction to bear true witness to Christ. And no single one of us can change that for our country like that. But we can each begin to change it ourselves.
by sharing our faith in Jesus. To sum all that up, as our Lord would it, we need to be earnest and repent. And as we repent, Jesus is so gracious to let us look forward to what awaits us. To him who overcomes, to him who is victorious, we heard at the beginning, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Maybe you need a reminder of just how glorious it will be when we take that seat next to him. If you, you need, need that reminder, and even if you, if you don't, don't, I want to encourage you to stay tuned. After these next, next few weeks, where you invite your friends to come and hear the saving words of Jesus in the Christmas and the movie series that we're doing. After that, when we return for what we're calling season two of our series here on Revelation, we are going to get deep into what this incredible glimpse of eternity with Jesus is going to be like. And I continue to pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal powerful visions to us. That, that wouldn't, wouldn't just make us comfortable, that, that wouldn't, wouldn't just get us as individuals excited for the eternity we get to have, but would get us desperately seeking to bring everybody we can along with us into that beautiful, glorious eternity. That's my prayer. As a final word, as my closing prayer, I only want to offer the words of our Lord Jesus. I simply offer them back to him. I pray that we would hear them. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.